The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome. I'm Roger Stone, and we're back in the Stone Zone. Late last week, I heard that my sister's son, my nephew, had died of a fentanyl overdose at the age of 38. This is a, a difficult time for my family, and I want to thank the literally thousands of people who texted, emailed, or called with their condolences and their prayers. It is also why the Stone Zone went on a brief hiatus so that my family and I could attend the funeral. Uh, at the same time, late last week, uh, Mediaite, a left-wing fake news website, uh, released what they said was an audio recording of me uh, threatening to assassinate two Democratic congressmen. Uh, this, folks, is a total fraud. I immediately found the very best uh, audio detection technology, something called AIVoiceDetector.com, uh, and it determined there was a 92.63 chance that this was an entirely fabricated audio. Uh, this is the deep state and how they roll. Uh, they are bitter about my part, pardon. They're also extraordinarily determined to stop Donald Trump from getting back in the White House, and they know that I am for him. Uh, but let's go to the news of the day. Today is the historic, uh, traditional, first-in-the-nation Iowa caucuses, uh, and uh, Joining me to break down what is going on, uh, first of all, my co-host, Troy Smith of Rare.com, the editor-in-chief, joins me to talk about what's going on in Iowa, but then also uh, to join us, the very best, in my opinion, pollster uh, and surveyor of public opinion in the country, Rich Barris of the uh, Big, big data poll, the People's Pundit. He joins us to break the Iowa landscape down. Gentlemen, welcome to the Stone Zone. Roger, thank you very much. Uh, it's an honor uh, to be here, and uh, it's an honor to be uh, on the Stone Zone on a regular basis here as a co-host, so thank you for that. And uh, we have a lot going on, so it's, it's, it's an action-packed show. We're going to have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, thanks for having me, as always, Roger. I appreciate it as well. Great. I was waiting for the three shot. All right. So um, a couple kind of set the table here. Uh, it is exceptionally cold uh, in Iowa. Uh, I worked for Ronald Reagan in 1980. He went into the Iowa caucuses with a 20 point lead in the polls. Uh, but because he failed to make a late appearance in the state to rally his support, um, he was uh, defeated in an upset by former UN Ambassador George H.W. Bush, who of course went on to become Vice President. Uh, 
Donald Trump has not repeated that mistake. Uh, despite extraordinarily cold weather, uh, at some points 30 below zero, Trump uh, braved his way into Iowa Saturday night, is barnstorming there yesterday, today, right up until uh, the caucus times close at seven o'clock, or I should say open at seven o'clock. And um, I think it is also, as I've said on this show, and Rich has also said, Polling a caucus turnout is a little different than polling a primary. Uh, This is not a primary where you walk in, go into a machine, or in very rare instances today, unfortunately, fill out a paper ballot. But this is someplace where you have to go to a public meeting in a drafty fire hall or community center or public school. uh, And uh, therefore, intensity of your support, loyalty of your support is vitally important. Now, the real clear uh, political, real clear politics average poll uh, now has Donald Trump breaking 50% at 52.8. It has Nikki Haley, the neocon candidate of the Republican establishment, uh, at 19.2. Uh, and it has Governor Ron DeSantis, who was once thought to be the principal challenger to Donald Trump, slipping to 15.4. Uh, I like looking at all these polls, Emerson, Trafalgar, NBC, Des Moines Register, but the poll I trust is the big data poll uh, run by Rich Barris. So, Rich, uh, tell us uh, what your final data shows uh, and what you think will happen literally uh, hours from now. Well, Roger, at this point, this is an expectations game. Uh, Donald Trump is going to win the Iowa caucuses. Uh, He's ahead with, in our polling, he's ahead with every demographic. And you you really mentioned it. It's really important to note a caucus is very different than a primary. It tends to be a lot more conservative, a lot more Republican. You you it is a closed system, but you can change your registration when you when you. uh, show up on caucus night a lot of DeSantis people are unhappy with the poll numbers because as we do as we show uh Haley has edged ahead of him look it's not that big of of an advantage over DeSantis if she doesn't have the organization to back it up and she doesn't have the enthusiasm to get those people out but the polling as far as if people did show up like they say they would she would beat them out because DeSantis really fought for those evangelicals and Trump's lead with evangelicals is just massive. This the, the issue, and I think you've seen a lot of other pollsters try to arti- articulate this. The issue this year, Roger, is that there's something new going on that pollsters haven't seen. Democrats don't really have a contest. And there's a concerted effort to get um, behavioral independents and Democrats to come out and uh, caucus for Nikki Haley. If they do, then she's going to beat Ron DeSantis. She's going to edge him out for second place. If they don't, DeSantis, maybe his infrastructure can help him there, and she underperforms, which is why we took a little bit of a modest approach with both. But Trump is uh, slightly above 50, and his supporters are the most energetic, the most enthusiastic, and by the way, the most committed. They will not change their mind. Yeah, I noted uh, that in the Des Moines Register poll, which has a you know a storied history, 49% of Republicans said Trump was their first choice, said they were extremely enthusiastic about him, while 34% and 22% said they were either very enthusiastic or mildly enthusiastic. Now, when you contrast that with Ron DeSantis, 23% 
our Republicans said DeSantis was their first choice. They were extremely enthusiastic about DeSantis, while 39 and 33 percent said they were very or mildly uh, enthusiastic. But when you went to Nikki Haley, only 9 percent of her voters said they were extremely enthusiastic in supporting Haley, while 49% said they were mildly uh, enthusiastic. Uh, uh, Troy, what do you make of this? Oh, well, Roger, uh, what we have here is a field of people who are trying to take Donald Trump away from the Republican nomination. They're trying to take it away from him. And uh, they're doing that with the backing of several different candidates. And they've kind of switched their support as as time has gone on. And I think that a lot of these candidates have played a different role in this, Roger. I mean, you look at Chris Christie. It seems that his main objective was to use the media to try to levy these attacks against Trump and say, oh, he's going to jail, he's going to jail. And he did that basically every single day. Uh, and then you look at Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. The support is kind of, I mean, if you look at the donors behind Ron DeSantis when he first started, most of those people are now supporting Nikki Haley. So as Rich pointed out, uh, Haley is is rising as time goes on and DeSantis is kind of falling. And that's because the people that are supporting them are not the voters, they're the donors. And the donors have switched who they are supporting. And that's why we see these things changing. And it's interesting that you know, all of this is happening, yet, like you said, Roger, Trump is at 52%. He's going to walk away with this, as Rich pointed out. And uh, all of this spending money, it just seems to be a waste of resources. And you wonder why the Republican Party struggles in general elections, because they spend all of their money fighting amongst each other for nothing. And the truth is, whether DeSantis, Haley, Vivek, any of these people spent $5 million or $50 million in Iowa, the results are going to be the same, and Donald Trump is going to win. All right, Rich, uh, why don't you give us a look at uh, your data? I was very excited to see you post it on X because I have enormous confidence uh, in your ability to draw a, 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 a scientifically valid sample. Uh, I know that your questions are properly ordered and they're completely dispassionate in the way they're worded. Now, I've said on this show uh, that there are ways to take a poll to get a pre-desired result. Not all polls uh, are equal. Uh, you, uh, you take an extraordinarily professional uh, and even-handed approach. That's not true of every pollster. The DeSantis people then take that and say, ah, you see, Roger Stone admitted all the polls are rigged. No, all the polls are not rigged. Uh, it, it is wise to do uh, what, what I suggested, which is to not only look at the big data poll, which I find to be historically extraordinarily accurate uh, and methodologically properly uh, run, but to look overall and see uh, if all of the polls are trending in one direction or if you get essentially what's called an outlier. Uh, you seem to be tracking what virtually everybody else is showing, uh, except for I think you, you tend to be uh, a little above the curve. So tell us what your final big data poll showed and show us some uh, examples. Yeah, really appreciate that, by the way. We we take a lot of, it means a lot to us because transparency is really the name of the game in polling. And we do a lot uh, to make sure that people understand the order of the questions, how they're delivered, uh, the, the exact wording that appears in the crosstabs, Roger, is how it was asked. Uh, we give, you know, whether or not we use logic or, or piping and that, that, um, in that factored into that. If we look at the first, uh, if we look at the trend graphic, that would be great because it speaks to what 
Troy was talking about. Um, there's just been this reshuffling of the bottom of the deck. If you look at the trend for big data polls, we've been polling this race now for months. And um, be before the summer, Trump started just a hair under 50%, but he's the big red block right there, big red uh, line. And he just kept ticking up a little bit at a time. And by the way, this is decided, but without second choice. Um, if, if people who chose Donald Trump as their second choice uh, go in there and basically abandon either Haley or DeSantis because they feel, and that's how a caucus goes, they feel maybe DeSantis is a waste of a vote because Trump's going to win. Um, you know, a lot of DeSantis's vote is a second choice for Trump. So he could he could outperform that. But as you could see what Troy was saying, Nikki Haley just crisscrossed. Uh, we were one of the first ones to show that momentum nationally and, and in some of these early states. And certainly as risky as a pollster to be ahead of the curve like that. But it's a classic case of momentum versus organization. DeSantis was falling. The final day we got out of the field in Iowa, he was collapsing. It wasn't a, you know, a full bore collapse, but you could see it day after day. He kept pulling lower and lower, and Haley kept going up and up. But again, it really is just a reshuffling of the bottom of the deck. There is no real... Uh, dem demographically, there's just no way for either one of those candidates or Vivek Ramaswamy to put together a majority coalition, Roger. I mean, it, the name of the game for these guys is to keep Trump below 50. Um, and I have to say uh, that the, the, the president's second choice is just so big. It's going to be difficult to do that. If we can do it, have time to just shoot the next graphic up there. And I just had a comment on that real quick um, by area. The graph. Yeah, there it is. The Des Moines area is an area where Marco Rubio did really well in 16, the Eastern cities as well. Um, now you can see the Des Moines area is probably, uh, if there's an area where Nikki Haley can pick a county off here and there, it could be in the Des Moines area or in the Eastern cities area. Maybe she gets Johnson County. That'll be an interesting one to watch. But Trump is ahead in every single region breakdown in this state. And DeSantis is looking for, you know, high evangelical support in northwestern parts of Iowa where Cruz did well and Trump and him split a lot of those counties. And then in the southeastern part of the county where it's a little bit more educated evangelical. And the problem everybody is having is that Donald Trump has a lead, a big lead. It's not a small lead, Roger. It's a big lead, 30 to 35 points, depending on what part of the state you're looking at. And it's worth noting for people who constantly talk about the miss in 2016, Everybody basically projected evangelical vote preference correctly. They were going to vote for Cruz by 11, 12 points. The, the problem and the miss with the Des Moines poll and others was how much of the electorate they projected evangelicals to be. In order for there to be a major polling miss this time, it would have to mean we all got vote preference wrong and we all got turnout projections wrong. That is highly, highly unlikely. I just don't know how much more I could stress it. Um, again, DeSantis, it's not enough. Total I have to people, say this. Do you? Oh, go ahead, Roger. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, how many total people do you think will vote uh, this evening? Before the snow and the weather uh, impacted turnout, we actually thought it would be the 180 plus thousand is the record. That was 2016 of 30,000 voted in 2020 because uh, Donald Trump was an incumbent. We're thinking it's going to look somewhat like 2016 if the weather uh was better we actually thought it would be closer to 200,000 and record breaking it would exceed 2016 i wouldn't be surprised if it still didn't it's just that the share of people who say that they're absolutely uh certain 
or you know more likely than 50-50 to show up is down this month than it was from last month. That is certainly because of the storm. And the percentage of first-time caucus goers is down from uh, 45% last month to 35% this month. So, you know, ballpark 160 to 180. 180 is a good firm. We projected about 180. That's a good firm uh, baseline. Well, and uh, I wanted to go ahead. 180,000. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Rich, just real quickly. You showed that graph where we have, uh, you know, support for Vivek and Haley and things like that, and and it it seems that Vivek and Haley are kind of going up. What what would you say is is who's really running the better campaign there? Because it, it appears that Vivek is doing a, a you know a, a similar amount, maybe with a lot less than Haley has, but at the same time, Haley's getting a lot of these big dollar donors, and she's spending a lot of money, and it, she's not anywhere close to Trump. I mean, who would you say is running the most effective campaign there out of the two of them? You know, she's got the money, Troy, you know, I mean, that goes a long way. But outside of that, there's no doubt she's not outworking Vivek. He, uh, you know, we hear a lot from the DeSantis people about the full Grassley. When you visit all 99 counties, Vivek was the first uh, or excuse me, actually, Ryan Binkley was the first to do the full Grassley. But Vivek has done it twice. Um, so, you know, it, it doesn't always matter. You know, it doesn't, people want to see you. Iowans want to see you. Uh, Trump this time didn't have to do that. People know him. Uh, so I, that's, I, I really do believe that's what's going on here, but Haley is not running that great of a campaign. What the truth is, is that she has had, uh, she's been handled with kid gloves for months while it was all about Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Uh, Vivek, he's held his own on the campaign trail. He knows how to deal with reporters. If you just stop, and there was a great article, and I'm not a fan of this magazine, but there was a great article in The Atlantic last weekend basically saying, what is what is Nikki Haley talking about? Because once you go to her events and you actually listen to what she's saying, she doesn't make sense. It's just like word salad of platitudes, and when challenged, it just completely collapses, and it's awful. So I would argue she's not running a good campaign. She just timed it well. She stayed below the radar, and she decided that she was going to place herself as the never-Trump candidate at the right time. So I'll give her credit for that because that was smart. Um, but as far as, you know, grassroots, retail politician, Vivek would, is, is blowing her away. It's just... He stepped in it. We have to bring this up. He stepped in it over the weekend. Uh, we were much more bullish on Vivek than other pollsters. And I was, you know, Friday evening sitting there, you know, like Dr. Evil. I'm going to be right on Vivek and everyone is going to be wrong because they're under polling this guy. You know, they're they're un they're under representing his voters. Um, but he stepped in it, getting into it with the Trump campaign. And that may hurt him. So, you know, if we're wrong with his vote chair, it's because of his last minute stumble. And that was the only error that I could accredit uh, to, to Vivek's campaign. Uh, just for the record, Rich, what were your final totals per candidate? Yeah, so uh, Donald Trump's about 52, 52.4, uh, which is very close to the RCP average. I heard you cite that before. We are a little bit less on uh, Nikki Haley. We have her at 17.4. However, with the dropout of Chris Christie, it did push her up to about 18%. Um, but again, she could underperform. All those caveats are real that you're hearing. And then Ron DeSantis ended at uh, about 13%. He was in the middle of a free fall. He's going to have to overperform that. Nikki Haley's going to have to underperform for him not to, you know, I don't know how he continues if he ends up like that, Roger. I mean, the final, honestly, Roger, the final day of fielding, Ron DeSantis was at 10%. Yeah, that is so, uh, that campaign has largely yeah. been a dumpster fire. I mean, look, I, I uh, yeah. I'm a veteran of 13 national 
Republican presidential campaigns. I've watched this very closely. Uh, Donald Trump's uh, campaign under the extraordinary able leadership of Susie Wiles uh, and Chris Lasavita, who is one of the very best strategists, technicians, mechanics uh, in the party, have meticulously built an extremely organized, grassroots-based uh, turnout operation to identify and turn out their vote. They don't have one precinct captain for every precinct in the state. They have co-captains for every precinct in the state. Uh, these folks have been uh, meticulous. Uh, they have kept their nose to the grindstone. Uh, it, it, the Wall Street Journal, I think, picked up on this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but uh, this is completely unlike the Trump campaign of 2016, which in Iowa was kind of a slapdash affair. Uh, but because of the fact that Trump was a on-fire national phenomena at that time, uh, he came in a very close second uh, to Ted Cruz. And that was only uh, after somebody perpetrated a dirty trick uh, in which they put out a text message to every Republican uh, household uh, saying uh, that Dr. Ben Carson, uh, who was a contender, had dropped out of the race, when Carson, of course, had not dropped out of the race. Uh, this, uh, I think, aided uh, Ted Cruz. Uh, but Trump was a natural phenomena with very little grassroots. Uh, that is not the case this time. In fact, if there's any candidate who's relying almost solely on paid media, that being broadcast television, cable television, uh, digital media, uh, mailings, text messages, phone calls, that would be the AstroTurf campaign of Nikki Haley. Uh, Rich said it best. She's got the corporate dollars. Uh, she's got that neocon money, taking huge amounts of money from Democrats, by the way. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think there's any structure. Now, how much structure Ron DeSantis really has remains to be seen. Uh, he spent millions of dollars. Uh, the FEC reports show direct payments to uh, evangelical leaders uh, show direct payments in some cases to state legislators. So he seems to have bought mercenaries in many cases uh, for his campaign. But how much actual structure he has uh, to gin up turnout remains to be seen. And then obviously this clear observation. If you don't have the votes, the best turnout operation in the world isn't going to make a difference. You have to be able to identify uh, solid voters who are for you. Uh, and he actually seems to be moving backwards in that regard. Uh, Rich, I think you would agree with this. Uh, Republican primary or Republican caucus goers across the board in Iowa have an overwhelmingly favorable opinion of Donald Trump. But the intense, increasingly shrill attacks uh, on him by Ron DeSantis uh, seeming to echo the attacks of the Democrats and Joe Biden uh, have not helped him. I don't know if he's doing this out of peak because uh, uh, there's no strategy that I think uh, justifies this. We saw, at least temporarily, the rise of Vivek Ramaswamy because he was smart enough to recognize Trump's dominance within the Republican electorate nationally, as well as in Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, now he appears to be caught in uh, what can only be called a dirty trick to try to persuade people that somehow a vote for Vivek uh, is a vote for Trump. No, a vote for Trump is a vote for Trump. 
So if you are an America first Republican, if you're a MAGA Republican, you live in Iowa, um, I would urge you not to waste your vote uh, on Vivek Ramaswamy. He's not going to be the nominee. Uh, I think he's really hit uh, a pothole here uh, that is going to depress his support substantially. There was a time when I thought he might get 10% of the vote. I, uh, Despite his hard work, I no longer think that. Um, when, when the president himself starts attacking you on true social, yeah. your days are numbered politically, in my view. If I could just say, Roger, we we had Vivek creeping up every day, started at 8 percent and and ended up uh, around 12 percent. And thank you, Vivek, for doing that, posting that picture, because we're going to be wrong now. I totally agree with you. You know, the poll numbers are what they are because they're published and you, 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 you know, you don't revise because of events. Um, the, the work was done. The field work was done. But, um, you know, before the weekend, we went into this weekend. I was thinking everyone else has Vivek at 5 percent. Uh, we have a much closer around 10 percent. And I think we're going to come out looking great here with that. Uh, but now I. Uh, you really you said it when the president starts attacking you i've seen it uh in live you know in real time polling candidates who have been on the you know what end of donald trump's attacks on on uh, social media they collapse by the day folks 24 hour periods you will see them tracking down and you know within 72 hours they're done it's really something. It's a it's a, it's a phenomenon we, we've never seen before. Somebody has that power in, in a Republican primary to do that. 80% plus of Iowans, it's fair to say the man is beloved. It really is. Um, and now with DeSantis, they're gyrating, going to what you said. They're panicking, Roger. They don't know if they should be the never Trump now. Uh, they don't know if they should still try to talk nicely about him the way they did six months ago. They don't know where to be anymore. They don't know their own lane. Very, very uh, unprofessional and amateur of Ron DeSantis and his campaign to not know what lane by January he was going to end up in in a Republican caucus. When you spend, what, almost $100 million to win a state, it's a must-win state. He ran a traditional Iowa campaign, which makes you unelectable in New Hampshire and South Carolina, and you have to win the state for you not to know what lane you're supposed to be in and gyrating back and forth with your message one day to the other. It's very bad. And uh, you can see them now, you know, starting to um, attack the president, attack his voters. You know, when you start attacking voters like Hillary Clinton, uh, when you start attacking voters like other uh, candidates like Mitt Romney, 47 percent, you're losing and you know you're losing. And it's just a matter of time. Uh, uh, Rich, what? go ahead, Troy, go ahead. Rich, when you uh, when you look, I mean, just looking at this visually, like you see the pictures of the events, you see the videos, uh, you look at Nikki Haley's event, it looks like a retirement home. Uh, same with Ron DeSantis, they're a lot, uh, the support seems to be a lot older. And then you look at a Vivek event or a Trump event, and it seems to be the Trump events are more middle-aged, I would say even really spread across because there's so many people. While Vivek seems to attract that Gen Z uh, audience, what does the polling say about the ages? And, and, and just as a general, you know, when you're going into the I caucus are you trying to appeal to uh, the middle-aged people because that's kind of where the average is or is there a benefit in going for the younger people or the 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 older people like what's the strategy there and what do you see yeah i'm a big believer troy of expanding the electorate at all costs i mean i'm a huge believer in that because it's going to benefit you later in the general election uh 
Iowa and nationally, generally speaking, whether you're pulling Arizona, Florida, MAGA is definitely younger, it's more diverse, and it's more dynamic. It doesn't mean the president doesn't have support among older voters. If we could throw up, I mean, do we have the third chart to throw up? We have some of those key demographics from Iowa, what the poll showed us. And it's interesting, Troy, because 45 to 64 is a huge share of the caucus vote, uh, especially, you know, on the Republican side, um, sometimes on a Democratic side, 18 to 29, which is really 17 to 29, because if you're going to be 18 by the time of the general, you can vote. If you're 17, you can caucus. Um, you can see Trump. He's leading everywhere, but he has a more diverse, more broad coalition. And, you know, you brought up the age. It's also about income and socioeconomic status. So somebody had saw our poll results and then on Twitter, they said this is the difference between a Trump Haley or Trump DeSantis and Haley voter. A Trump voter says, I can't afford milk and eggs, you know, staple goods kind of thing, because Trump does lead with every income demographic, but his biggest demographic is 30 to 50,000 a year. And he leads, again, across all, but massive leads, 60 plus percent with 30 to 50. Um, and then a DeSantis voter says, gee, I may need a roommate to help pay for my $2,000 a month rent. And a, and, a, and a Haley voter says, God, it got expensive to change the oil in my Mercedes, you know? So her you know, her best voter is 200,000 plus. It's older. It's more educated. Here's the thing. It doesn't really matter how Nikki Haley performs tonight. The truth of the matter is they're dinosaurs that don't know the asteroid is already headed to the planet. It's over for traditional Republicans. Demographically speaking, they're shrinking and literally dying out. I don't mean to be, you know, there's just no nice way to put this. MAGA is the future. It is younger. It's more non-white. It's all across. It has appeal where, you know, somebody like a Nikki Haley is pigeoned, pigeonholed into this tight little demographic, this lane, and there's just no room to expand. MAGA is not like that. So they're again, they're like the dinosaurs just grazing and, you know, going about their business, not 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 knowing the asteroid is coming and they're about to be extinct. It may not. You know, it could happen this year, it could happen, but it's going to happen, period. And it's a matter of time. Yeah, what's going to be very interesting here, uh, Rich, is the is the media handling of what happens tonight. Uh, I've been saying this for about a week. Uh, the the cabal, the big media cabal that's basically in bed with the Democrats, uh, desperately wants to uh, have Nikki Haley uh, damage President Trump uh, if if she can't beat him, and she they'd love to nominate her. I don't see that happening. Uh, but they are using using her uh, in this case. So uh, if she gets by Ron DeSantis tonight, which I think is possible but improbable, uh, the headline will be Haley upsets DeSantis uh, in in Iowa. Subhead much smaller letters. Trump takes first place as expected. Uh, in other words, the media will attempt to give Nikki Haley a head of steam momentum heading into New Hampshire while they try to minimize what I think is going to actually be a historic win by Donald Trump. Now, no one has ever won the caucuses by more than 12 percent. He is poised not only to do that, it's actually possible he could crack 50. He's going to be very close to it. That's a phenomenal uh, political accomplishment. Uh, but let's try to look. Uh, let, let's do two things before we do that. Uh, going back to your to your demographic breaks and your cross tabs, where did you find evangelicals uh, head to head today uh, in Iowa? I, 
evangelicals, man, you know, that, that's part of what you said with these headlines. We hear that this time's different because evangelicals haven't united behind a candidate. Uh, Roger, that's insane. 59% of evangelicals say they're going to caucus for Donald Trump. Uh, Haley and DeSantis are way back. DeSantis at 16%. Some polls have him in the 20s. His campaign's goal is the mid-30s, so he can try to get into the 20s. I'm telling you, that's going to be tough. Um, uh, Donald Trump has had a lead anywhere between 25 and 35 points with evangelicals in Iowa for many months now. It, it, it's just it, they're expecting some disproportionate turnout that favors them. But not only that, turnout that favors them disproportionately among certain groups. Like It's not just evangelicals will make a higher share of the caucus going electorate it's that only ron DeSantis evangelicals are going to make up this you know extra share uh that's crazy that's just it, it's just insane to 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 expect that um but yeah they are a very key demographic going to south carolina by the way it's like you know moving forward with the media spin we're going to hear tonight 70 there'll be there'll be more of the electorate in south carolina than they are of the iowa in the iowa caucuses so the the road beyond New Hampshire, both for Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, is is just perilous. <laughs> you know, I don't know how I don't know the other word to use. Demographically, it's perilous. Uh, DeSantis had his best chance in Iowa, and she will have her best chance in New Hampshire. After that, it's a thumping, but it won't stop them tonight uh, from trying to. The spin is already written. The narratives are already written. Um, the, the expectations that they're setting for Trump are are yeah, I don't think they do this to any other candidate, Roger. You just said it. Twelve points is the record for the Iowa caucus. Any share above forty four percent of the vote would be historic and record breaking. Uh, so nobody has ever broken fifty or come close to breaking fifty. You get above forty four percent, you set a record. That's it. I mean, it's a dominant performance for a caucus. Uh, but they will have those headlines written to try to propel Nikki Haley into New Hampshire. Um, they'll use her. They'll use Ron DeSantis if that's the way the the, the results turn out. They're they're just gonna uh, pick whatever pre-written scenario they have. One out of three at this point, I see. Um, but I, in reality, it doesn't mean like on planet Earth, um, it's gonna it's gonna matter in the long run. I, I just don't know how 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 it would roger I, I just don't it's again the path forward is very detrimental i think they're trying to deplete his resources and that's that's it uh, so troy i guess i would pose this question to you based on 69 percent i think that's what he said uh preference among evangelical or 59 pardon me preference 59 uh, yeah. uh, among evangelicals it would seem that the purchase of uh of uh of what's this guy's name vanderputz or whatever his name is has turned out to not be worth the ninety five thousand dollars he seems to have received for his nonprofit from ron DeSantis. well you know you uh you said something earlier roger that really uh that caught my ear and you were talking about how ron DeSantis has not identified a single group of people to add support to what he's had he's only lost it and just in your career, I mean, I've, I have I think it's in Get Me Roger Stone. You're talking about uh, the Reagan Democrat and how you worked uh, with the Reagan campaign to identify Democrats who would support Ronald Reagan. And you look at Ron DeSantis, he hasn't even identified additional Republicans to support him. I mean, it's just it's such 
a failure. Uh, it's a failure of a massive proportion. And the idea, and, and I even saw Ron DeSantis this week hitting on Fox News saying that they're handing Trump this town hall. Uh, do we forget that it was actually Fox News that, that handed Ron DeSantis the entire network for several months? Um, so Roger, whether it's Vanderplatz or whether it's Fox News or anything the DeSantis campaign does, uh, they fail. And they fail because they're disingenuous. And, and not only are they disingenuous, but as they've gone out and tried to pull this presidential stunt that has blown up in their faces, they've lost all support back in Florida. When I moved here in 2022, there were DeSantis signs everywhere. Now, granted, the election was, I don't know, five, six months away. But still, after the election, you saw DeSantis signs and slowly but surely, all of them have disappeared. All of the support for Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida has disappeared. And not only that, it's disappeared nationwide. So he's destroyed his career here with this move. Um, I don't see how you could not say that he's destroyed his career with this move unless you are uh, paid. And, and look, as you said, and, and as we know, a lot of people are paid to support Ron DeSantis. So you can pay for support to create a mirage and, and, and try to win that way, but it doesn't work, especially when you're going up against somebody like Trump, who who really uh, everything about him is is genuine, even to his own detriment sometimes. Uh, so I think uh, at, 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 we're looking at this campaign and say this has got to be the biggest failure maybe in the history of presidential campaigns. Uh, it is really uh, quite extraordinary. Let's take a quick a commercial break. Gentlemen, stay right where you are. Uh, I'm sure many uh, saw late last week that Fox News announced that they would no longer take advertising from MyPillow.com, uh, which seems to me they're acting to their own economic detriment uh, because Mike Lindell uh, at MyPillow was one of the greatest uh, purchasers of commercial advertising at Fox News. So, folks, uh, Mike Lindell deserves your support, and we need your support here at the Stone Zone. Please uh, go to MyPillow.com, uh, and when you do, use promo code stone, promo code stone. Uh, there are great products there. I am personally partial to the MyPillow dog beds. Uh, my wife and I are animal lovers, uh, and, and that is a, a great, great product. Uh, they begin uh, at $19.99 for the small, uh, but they go in three sizes. Uh, if you uh, get the dog bed, then let me recommend the pet blankets uh, to go along with it. We like to crank the temperature down late at night. My wife and I like to sleep in the cold, uh, but we want our babies to be in comfort. So we love the pet blankets. But whether it is the all-season slippers or whether it's the waffle blankets or whether it is the men and women's moccasin slippers or if it's the epically famous uh, percal uh, bed sheets uh, or the Giza bed sheets uh, or the towel sets, there are great bargains to be had at MyPillow.com. Please use promo code STONE. All right. Thank you for that commercial interlude. Uh, let's go back to our guests. If you're just tuning in, we are with Troy Smith, editor-in-chief of Rare.com, and Rich Barris, uh, who is the people's pollster, runs the big data poll. Uh, one of the most reliable pollsters in the country, someone whose work I have followed uh, now for some time. Uh, Rich, let's move ahead to New Hampshire. I think that's a legitimate question. Uh, given the impact of the Iowa caucuses traditionally, and also the obvious coming 
uh, media interpretation and perhaps build up of the over underperformance uh, of uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, can we take the, every New Hampshire poll that we have in hand today and just throw it out, uh, believing that there's going to be a dramatic change there? Or do you think the, the trend, as I do, uh, of Donald Trump in a commanding position continues? Yeah, I, I, there's always, New Hampshire always has some last minute movement. You've been in the game a long time, Roger, too. You know, New Hampshire is that kind of state where if they're going to be uh, different than the nation or, you know, buck an incumbent, they'll give the highest anti-incumbent vote chair or something like that. Pat Buchanan uh, won there. Uh, but I look, this has been a relatively stable race for 11, 12 months. Uh, New Hampshire has closed. Uh, in the last what month or so, but um, not a lot, not not a, not enough. I mean, it went from about Trump plus thirty to to Trump plus fifteen. There was one outlier poll that Fox just obsesses over, even though it's weeks old. Um, but the it will matter if if Haley falls into third, uh, she could lose all of that momentum and end up you know getting blown out. I think the hot mic by Chris Christie was really revealing. I think it probably shows you the state of the race as internal polls show it, uh, which is that still Trump by about 15, 20 points at this point. I just don't see how even a strong but distant set. Let's say she comes in second in Iowa and it's a very distant second. I just don't know how that gives you momentum uh, heading into New Hampshire. They're going to have to pack that electorate with moderates to come even close. And, and again, Roger, I mean, it's very futile exercise i mean if we're all living in reality and not alternate universes when we're done with new hampshire we're going to go to nevada where he is at 70 the former president's at 70 percent of the caucus um and then south carolina which is trump country I, I just don't which is her own state and any loss in your own home state is a fatal fatal loss to a campaign so again um it, maybe new hampshire will be a little bit closer roger it's always kind of crazy but i really just don't see it amounting to much well you have a couple factors here uh first of all uh although he was not doing very well nationally at one point chris christie had gotten up to 12 percent uh in new hampshire dropped back down to nine uh, but second choice on those voters seems to be overwhelmingly Nikki Haley. Uh, interestingly enough, in most states, uh, the overwhelming choice, second choice of DeSantis voters uh, is Donald Trump. However, in New Hampshire, uh, it, it, that seems to only be true at about the 50 percent level. Uh, and then you see this concerted effort uh, by Governor Chris Sununu, uh, who is a really one of the most duplicitous characters I've ever seen in American politics. I dealt extensively with his father, John Sununu, who was also governor. Uh, he lied to Senator Bob Dole and to Congressman Jack Kemp for 11 months, insisting he had no commitment to George Bush when he had a commit commitment to him that he just wouldn't man up to. So treachery runs in that family, but a little piece of political history there. Um, clearly, the, what we're going to see, in my opinion, uh, Trump in a commanding position in New Hampshire, uh, those Christie votes transfer uh, to the extent that they exist over uh, to Haley. Uh, Vivek, if he were smart and he wants to have a political future, will get out of the race uh, between uh, Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, whatever vote he is getting in New Hampshire, I think, uh, would move to Trump. Their, their MAGA votes based on his rhetoric uh, and his defense of Trump, uh, hard to say where he really is uh, in New Hampshire. He has not done any 
traditional advertising uh, in some time. Uh, but uh, you can already see the big media uh, move here to try to uh, to try to bolster uh, Nikki Haley uh, going into New Hampshire. I don't think that's going to work. I point out again, Trump taking nothing for granted has already announced his schedule post-Iowa. He's doing three or four events that are already on the books. Uh, again, not going to make the mistake uh, that uh, George Bush made in 1980. So in 1980, after Sneaking up on Reagan in the Iowa caucuses, Bush then headed to New Hampshire, uh, but then he left the state early, confident of victory. He was actually sitting in a steam room uh, at his country club in Houston when it dawned on him that he had made a tragic mistake, while Ronald Reagan, uh, the oldest candidate at that point elected president, uh, or running for president, later elected president, up to that juncture, uh, was crisscrossing the state doing old-fashioned retail campaigning. And, of course, Reagan crushed uh, Bush in the New Hampshire primary, and uh, the rest is, is history. Trump is not making the mistake that Reagan made in Iowa or that uh, Bush made in New Hampshire. Uh, he is going. He's already announced his plan to head to New Hampshire uh, and uh, to fight for every vote. Uh, what you say is absolutely true. Uh, Nevada, I believe the order is Nevada next and then yes. South Carolina. Uh, and yes. Nevada, interesting, Nevada's primary is now a beauty contest. It's a preferential primary, meaning it'll be interesting, but it doesn't award any delegates. Uh, there are uh, there are Nevada State Party caucuses that day. The caucuses will award delegates. Uh, Trump is, again, extremely well organized in the state. Uh, DeSantis, not so much. Nikki Haley has nothing. It's not even clear she's going to compete uh, in the caucuses. Uh, and then you go to South Carolina, where, uh, where the governor uh, is an extraordinarily strong supporter of Donald Trump. Henry McMaster, who ironically served as lieutenant governor under Nikki Haley, uh, is working like a Trojan for a Trump victory. Uh, and it's one of the few states in the country where the support for Trump, uh, both among the Republican establishment and uh, among the grassroots MAGA types, seems to be universal. Uh, I've. Uh, what is the most recent polling uh, you have seen uh, out of South Carolina, Rich? Uh, between there's been a few. Uh, the most recent is between Trump plus 28 to Trump plus 34. Uh, so it, you, you just mentioned something that's really interesting about South Carolina. And we have to recall in 2016, which, by the way, it's even more Trumpy now than it was in 16. There are threshold rules. Nikki Haley, if she's kept below 20 percent, will not get any delegates. You can make it winner take all if you win it by a great amount. Um, Newt Gingrich had just said uh, in, in comments uh, what you just said, which is, and this is a man, by the way, who won the state in 2012, um, that this is just simply not the state Nikki Haley once governed. It is, uh, not, there aren't enough votes in and around the Charleston area, even if she could win that area, which is not, um, which is not, this, you know, even, even uh, likely at this point. But 
uh, Ori, Kiev, Ori County in the Northeast, which is used to be sweater vest, country club Republican kind of county. A lot of votes there for Republican primary. Jeb Bush in 16 believed that he could do well in this area in South Carolina. They made their stand there, even though they knew that downstate, really, which is the upcountry, um, highly evangelical, would probably vote for Trump. And what happened? Trump swept every single county and ori county is not the sweater vest republican county it once was you have establishment people very very few of them who would love a return to nikki haley but the establishment has been taken over by maga so from across it's like grassroots to the top of the establishment is dominated by maga i just don't know what they're thinking and it's on in nevada by the way i just have to say she's on the ballot in the primary with mike pence that's it she's not on the ballot in the caucus so talk about media spin i've heard from the campaign they intend to use what is a meaningless win in a primary roger i mean all the candidates aren't even on the ballot uh dropped out candidates are still on the ballot they attempt to they're going to attempt to use that to give her momentum going into south carolina and they're going to hope the media helps them ignore the results of the caucuses which actually is the contest and awards delegates it's in, honestly i've never seen anything like this in all the years <laughs> that I've been happily covering uh, presidential nominations and polling presidential nominations. It's it's just, it's extraordinary. It's even beyond 2016. You know, all the firsts that we saw in 2016, um, this is gonna, this will exceed in the amount of, um, you know, anti-Trump fervor we're gonna see here and just the most ridiculous, you know, uh, ways that they're gonna, they're gonna try to get us to perceive this contest. Yeah, it is, it's really quite amazing. I did a, a Twitter space last night uh, with Jack Posobiec from Human Events, uh, with Alex Jones from The Alex Jones Show and Infowars, uh, and with General Michael Flynn. You can already see the political establishment uh, dawning on them that Donald Trump is on the cusp of returning to the White House. Uh, they're already moving, I think, unconstitutionally. Extraordinary article in NBC, among others, to strip the president of the United States of his control of our military, justifying this because Trump is going to become a dictator. No, actually, I think you've got that backwards. It's Biden who would seek to become a dictator or whoever it is the Democrats end up nominating. And these people uh, are apoplectic about the fact, and I think this has been reflected in your polling, Rich, every time they have charged uh, Trump falsely uh, with a crime in another jurisdiction, his uh, his uh, the, his support solidifies and he actually gains votes. Uh, is that a true statement in terms of the tracking of your polling? It is a true statement. And I have a graphic if you want to uh, if you guys want to show it, it's core support. So it tells you because it's it's not every time they do something like this. Yeah, there it is. It's not only that he rises because you could see his total there. It's that the people who say, all right, that's it. Now you've made up my mind for me. I'm decided and I'm not budging, just keeps rising. And you had all of these people making the argument that, well, once other candidates get out, you'll be able to consolidate the anti-Trump vote. That simply has not happened. He's not only increased his margin as people have gotten out of the race, he's increased the percentage of that margin, that share of the vote who say, I cannot be persuaded to change my mind. And by the way, for a caucus like the contest we're going to see tonight, that's massive. That's huge. Because the point of the caucus is to make an argument in favor of your candidate. There are people who change their minds. Trump voters are the least likely 
to change their minds. Um, and what they've done is made this guy essentially, they made the former president, um, you know, I got to use this phrase or got to use this, this uh, comparison. They've made him like a Nelson Mandela-like martyr, and they've made him uh, almost like a folk hero to certain and largely non-white groups of people in this country who have been, a you know, I, I don't know how else to say it, but mistreated by the system for a long time. So now they see this, uh, they can, it, they did something that's impossible. You you made a, a billionaire uh, relatable uh, to non, you know, a billionaire Republican relatable to typically democratic constituencies it's astonishing <laughs> you know and they just dig in their heels more and more each time and now at this point they're dug in like alabama ticks uh, it's really it is really uh, quite extraordinary uh, i urge people again to watch the media coverage of what happens tonight uh, trump i think is on the cusp of a historic victory uh, yet i have little doubt that the media is going to try to minimize that victory uh, and they're going to try to prop up an alternative. Uh, I don't know how DeSantis goes forward after tonight. Uh, he's out of money. Uh, he's withdrawn from New Hampshire, uh, Nevada, and South Carolina. Uh, he's really, Troy spoke to this a moment ago, he's hurting very badly in his home state. We have uh, an insurance crisis in Florida. Uh, we have a we have a utility rate crisis in Florida. Uh, crime rights rates are starting to creep up. Uh, we have the same fentanyl problem uh, that the entire country uh, is is having. Impacted my own family uh, this week with the tragic death of my own nephew at 38, which has devastated us. Uh, but the Biden open policies have now affected us personally. I can't even tell you how that feels. Um, uh, this is inexorable. I, I think with the collapse uh, of the uh, of the credibility of Georgia prosecutor Fannie Willis, uh, with the Supreme Court not granting to Jack Smith his desired timetable, which was designed to put Trump uh, on on trial just ahead of the selection of the largest block of delegates. Uh, to the uh, Republican National Convention, uh, with Trump, I think, poised for a blowout uh, just hours from now, uh, uh, and uh, a, a potentially uh, follow-up smash victory uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, the sooner these other candidates get out of the race, the sooner that they endorse Trump, uh, the sooner he can begin to consolidate. Uh, we're wasting a lot of money uh, in the primaries uh, and effort in the primaries. It needs to be refocused on the Democrats. On the other hand, uh, neither the candidacies of Ron DeSantis nor Nikki Haley ever had a rationale. The most important thing a candidate must have is the yeah. reason they are running. Uh, if you're America first, then you have your candidate. It's Donald Trump. I mean, if you have a choice of seeing the Beatles or seeing a Beatles tribute band, which are you going to go see? You're going to go see the Beatles, right? Uh, Nikki Haley looked Donald Trump in the eye and said, you're one of our greatest presidents. If you run again, I'm not going to run. Now she's running against him. That speaks uh, to her character. Uh, no rationale for her candidacy. Uh, at least Chris Christie had a rationale. He hated Donald Trump, and he told you that's why he was running. Uh, didn't get much voter support, but uh, uh, notice he got out of this race before he was humiliated uh, in Iowa, where he would have been humiliated despite uh, visiting the state many times. So um, we are we're on the cusp of history, folks. 
Uh, it's why I'm glad I did this uh, prayer call with Amanda Grace and others last night, uh, because um, uh, prayer uh, may be uh, less detectable than polling, but it is extraordinarily strong. So uh, I urge you to pray for victory tonight. If you're a supporter of the president, pray for his safety. I think that is absolutely crucial. Uh, but in the meantime, let me thank my guests. Uh, Rich Barris, uh, the people's pollster, uh, who does the big data poll, uh, extraordinarily uh, uh, reliable, uh, a professional of the first rank, uh, who will tell you what the data really says, even if it doesn't reflect his personal views. Uh, and my good friend, Troy Smith uh, of Rare.us, the editor-in-chief there. I want to thank you both for joining us here today on The Stone Zone. Uh, and then lastly, folks, one more time, go over to Frank, uh, pardon me, go over to MyPillow.com uh, and use promo code STONE. Help Mrs. Stone and I keep the lights on uh, and help Mike Lindell because Fox announced late last week they were no longer going to allow him uh, to, uh, to buy advertising there. Uh, he's a great patriot. He is uh, the last great free speech and election integrity advocate. Uh, and he also needs your support. Uh, until tomorrow, uh, when we can break down what happens tonight, uh, I'm Roger Stone. This has been The Stone Zone. God bless you, and Godspeed. Mm -hmm.